Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to The Drop-In, everybody. This season, we've brought you guests from all backgrounds and careers in the world of football because we're trying to show you the different corners of football and uncover how it's run, what it looks like and how it feels to be a part of it. Today's guest has one of the most fascinating careers of all and she will lift the lid on how football is run. Lisa Claveness is the president of Norway's Football Association. She was a footballer herself with over 70 caps for her national side. She was a technical director then for both the men's and the women's teams between 2018 and 2022. So she was close with players like Ada Hegerberg and Erling Haaland, as well as Martin Erdegaard. Now she's running to be elected to UEFA's executive committee. But interestingly, there's one spot that is reserved for a woman and she hasn't chosen to contest that. Ever since her speech at FIFA's Congress in Doha this time last year, she's been known as an administrator who's willing to speak truth to power, and she's made a name for herself as someone who shakes up the status quo. I wanted to ask her about the major challenges that football faces over the next 10 years, and just how UEFA and other football governing bodies can restore fans' trust after so many betrayals in recent years. But... I wanted to start with that hugely significant moment at the FIFA Congress last year. I think the first uh, thing or the first way that I became aware of you as a football administrator was from your speech um, in Doha about a year ago, uh, where you you spoke about some of the challenges around the World Cup and then there was a sort of attempted smackdown by um, Hassan Al-Thwadi. How, how did you feel going into that speech and, and what did you make of the reaction? It was, a, it was an extreme week, of course, an extreme experience. You know, I was three weeks into my presidency. I, I worked as a technical director in Norway uh, the four years before. So I came from the sport and literally from the the field and the locker rooms being the the leader of the men's and the women's top football in Norway so so I did not know the room I did not know the people I I I came in with some convictions and 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 also uh, you know a clear message from my own members they wanted me to 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 have have a crit- uh, critical speech towards FIFA for the award of the World Cup and how they have handled it so so I went in with uh, and I knew that it was controversial because I I got uh, uh, the the clear impression in the days going up, and many people came to me and gave me different input. You know, fr- some friendly, some not so friendly. Uh, but I realized that this is it's not wanted, and it's 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 risky. From maybe they they want to advise me that I will make a fool out of myself for being politically isolated. And uh, I'm married to a woman, and this was also a case in in a country where where this is not legal and. And also being a female leader, and so so I I of course felt uneasy and um, very focused on on uh, delivering this message uh, 
but you have some it's not so often in life you know that you you have something that you would do anyway you know that no matter what you would still do it so this is one of those things because it had had gone on for so long time in Norway it had been a debate that had pulled the Norwegian football and international football down for so many years and the game I love and my country loves so so uh the the motivation was you know 100% so so that that's sort of a good place to be but of course i felt uh, that was extreme and i felt exposed but uh, when i held held the speech it was uh, a very clear feeling of doing and you know, my job you know this, this is my responsibility to do in 2010 world cups were awarded by fifa in unacceptable ways with unacceptable consequences. Human rights, equality, democracy, the core interests of football were not in the starting 11 until many years later. These basic rights were pressured on to the field as substitutes, mainly by outside voices. FIFA has addressed these issues, but there is still a long way to go. Afterwards, I I was a bit shocked with uh, because you know how how many congress have you have you seen you know I've never seen a congress before so I was just you know in the room that was more than enough for me you know that, that <laughs> this is this is a a room of people I don't know mostly male presidents that don't like me I guess now uh, but then it was you know enormous response from all over the world Africa and South America and and, and everywhere actually so it was both. Afterwards, it was, you know, the full range of, you know, both that uh, I, I got some opponents and people that felt that this was not the right time and place and uh, activistic and um, they disagreed very strongly. And also on the other side, very inspiring conversation with gay people from Africa and, you know, female sports reporters from South America, people I did not know listened to this. So, so it was a very special experience that I will never forget. Was the feeling in the room, could you feel the atmosphere drop? That was the impression. I, I just yeah. could imagine, I could imagine kind of being in your shoes and sort of standing up there and being like, I've got to do this and, <laughs> and, and feeling it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was not, it was not like this wedding, you know, it was, <laughs> it was very silent, quiet, quiet room. And I knew that uh, in, on beforehand, I had some discussions with uh, some some of the administrators in, in FIFA that they wanted me maybe to sit in my place and deliver the speech because it was so, as they said, far up to the stage. And and, and then I got very annoyed uh, and angry because I knew that this was, of course, an appeal. I had to look people in the eye and, and that, that 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 was good for me that they, that they went so far because then then I got energy from 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 um, feeling that I was obstructed, but then I was also very concerned that I I have to be ready when I'm my name is called so that they don't have to use time waiting for me on that long you know it, since it's so far you know, and then when they called my name I I I I, I was not ready uh, so I felt that it took forever for me to go to the stage, so so that I felt that I was you know in the way you know that uh, now everyone has to wait for me so uh, it was uh, very interesting from a you know freedom of expression point of view looking back at it that it's it can be very you know extreme or, or the push can be very heavy if uh, against uh, speeches and to, to raise your voice 
even though you're allowed through democratic mechanisms, you have to, you sort of maneuver past very many obstructions. And in then, you know, you have to be very careful to, to have your self-confidence, you know, intact because it's it's not so easy. What a fascinating metaphor, if, if that's the phraseology that they used about sitting, thinking about you sitting in your place. I mean, what an yeah. amazing uh, yeah. concept for you to be one of the very few women in, in there and then to say, oh, well, yeah. we, we need you to sit in your place. Uh, it, it, that is the impression, of course, that we have of FIFA and of the governing bodies, I think, of, of football, is that it is just a bunch of um, very similar looking older men. Is that a fair impression yeah you know from an outside perspective this is how it looks and this is of course how it also looked for me you know then but i i i uh, i love people i i i don't i don't like stereotype but you know everyone are different we know this you know when you get to know people they come from where they come from you know some some are from azerbaijan some are from england even though they're men over 50 most of them but 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 they're still uh, f- fascinating people of course so so and i don't know all, all these people but but now that i've known some uh th- this is not the problem for me that the the you know for me personal uh but it is a big problem that the structure is so that uh most it will be like this and it's uh, to me uh, very many great people work in football and, 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 and FIFA from administrative level have a too bad reputation because there are great people working there, of course, or else it wouldn't be the, the this brand World Cup over and over. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a big thing and it's a monopoly that would not have survived if, if it, it was not some sort of logistic, very high quality. But it, it's some really big issues with the, the, the governance, with the culture, I think, uh, and uh, and it's and it's also I think a, a culture of a bit fear. I I feel that the leaders are very insecure. Uh, they don't want to to be clear with opinions because then then you can lose championships or and I don't think I don't know if that's the truth. If you will lose championships, but this is very easily said. It's it's it comes very early, you know, in conversations with you know strong strong leaders or you know people with much responsibility. So to me coming from the place I come from and with my personality I feel that this you know sort of something that it's it's not satisfying it, these are not good conversations you know to, so so to me it, it becomes a very big issue to try to speak about it then because if it is it so that if you have a reasonable objection to something totally different you will lose the opportunity to have a championship to your country I don't think so you know i i uh, and if it is so of course that that is you know something that we all have to fight so i would say it's i don't know if this is because there are men over 50 of, co- of course they pro- it's probably not but it is a culture of business as business as usual keep your head down wait for your turn and this goes for everyone not not just female presidents you know uh, i think i think i just we might disturb it a bit but i and it's not it's not nice to disturb things you know you you want to respect cultures and and I, I i do respect cultures but i do think it's important to to have to have a wave of 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 change uh because uh, we're going into a time now with very much geopolitical distress the anchoring of deglobalization it's it's so many you know outside big issues coming that if we're going to be afraid and insecure leaders in football 
I think football in itself would be, be uh, you know, in, in very big distress. So you're saying that leaders of FAs in this context are nervous to speak up because they feel like then they might not get the chance to, for example, host the Euros in, in years to come. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, it's it's very often uh, it's very often said in conversations that uh, we should lie lower in in a total different case. One thing it was if it was something to do with the euros, you know, but a, a total different case, or else it might affect you know the the councils or, or the leading bodies, you know, view of of your application. And 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 I I have no indication that this is actually happening. Uh, that this these are connected, and you would think you know in these you know it's the biggest and most professional sport in the world that this would be very easy to separate from each other, and that you have checks and balances that that these are not connected that you can discuss one case without you know your own, but it's very often said as so it's it's at least. I don't want to you know refer to any specific conversation because these are colleagues, but it's very often referred to as. Uh, be careful so that it does not you know affect your application to euros or your world cups or you know so to me that is fascinating i've uh, i've never I, I yeah i worked as a judge you know i i've never heard mo- most systems are very aware of the opposite you know that it it should not be connected in that way and and i don't know if it's a reality but this this culture of fear and insecurity amongst leaders uh, I think is it's an important thing to address. Is that connected then to the like old boys network we call it here vibes? You know where everyone kind of knows each other, and so then everyone's a bit nervous to speak out of turn or to do something that the group doesn't like. Is is that what this is about? To me, it's also not so uh, the the presidency and the candidacy and the voting power. It's not so connected with the country and the federation. It's not so clear link, which which it actually is. You know, I feel that I, I am I work on behalf of Norway and and my members, and that I I try to confer with them as often as I can on what to do in cases, not case by case, of course, but generally discuss it openly through media because you have to, how else, you know, it's a country, so I cannot call everyone. Uh, Of course you have delegates, but, but uh, I, but I've realized that this is, uh, I think many countries can vote for many things without even debating in their own country. So, so I do think it gets more and more personal, (laughs) you know, this guy likes this person this person likes this application. This person does not like that this person seemed very engaged to human rights, maybe then. So I think this is this is a big part of a, of the problem, actually, or, or the challenge. And with all this in mind, what you're doing at the moment is you're standing to be on UEFA's executive committee. Um, can you explain for us in a sort of simple way what what that is and, and what that does? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's the board. Yeah, no, it's the deciding board of of uh, UEFA, which is you know the European uh, deciding body of football. So it's 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 you know quite an ordinary board actually of of uh, the decision makers. So it's the it's the top uh, elected leadership of European football, also England, Norway. So it's it's a big deal. Uh, but of course, maybe how. how how real, you know, the the decisions are taken in the boardroom. I don't know, but but you know, formally, this is the deciding body of European football. And what's the process for getting into it? 
So it's it's the precedence. Uh, it's it's uh, twenty people in in the board. It's it's one uh, female position. It's presidents that are elected, but it's one female position where you don't have to be a president only female. Uh, this is the position I did not want to run for, so I go for an open position. And now seven people in in the board of of twenty is now an re-election. Seven men. And uh, I, 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 will, I will run for those seven positions. We're 11 men and me running for these positions. And um, uh, it's precedence voting. So it's one, one precedent, one vote. So, so, and it's a secret uh, votation system. So even though your country might you know, have a debate where they want female leadership in, uh, or, or Germany or Belgium, you would never really know what your your precedent, and maybe the link is not really clear either. Either so, I I'm told that it's it's not a very big big chance that I will come in. You know, I'm I'm pretty new, um, and I I often get uh, I hear that you know people wait for ten years and you know stay stay in line sort of, um, but this case is bigger than me. You know, and I feel that it's very critical and urgent to have female president in you know not not ever has a female president run for candidacy even and this is the biggest sport for women in 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 europe so that would mean if you were to win then lisa it would double the number of women on the committee uh you join laura McAllister from wales which would be a huge change in the level of representation but still very far off um any kind of parity in terms of gender on the committee um i saw that ada hegerberg has supported your your bid to join the committee and she's someone i'm assuming you know very well given that i believe you were responsible for helping persuade her to rejoin the the Norway squad is that right yeah well I also played with Ada she's much younger than me but when I was you know in my finishing year uh, she was you know a teenager a talented one very talented one very you know competitive strong also back then uh, so so I know her from the playing days and then I and then I quit I also uh, worked as a TV pundit commentating men and women's football and I so I had all these games commentating her her game so so I know her from before so when she quit the national team I was actually working as a TV pundit commentating her games uh, through through the Norwegian state channel so so I kept contact with her when she quit I felt um, sorry for her or I or I know I know I, I've been also outside of the national team for a period and and I know how how a federation can be you know um one body for you and one you know intimidating uh, so 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 I kept contact with her and, and sort of supported her I, I I saw the perspective she tried to um, get people to see you know and um, so so we kept sort of contact and when I started as a technical director I I, I just had one aim actually and to keep the conflict level so that it so that the federation would not stand in the way for her career you know because it, it can be very big you know if you feel if you build it you know so so that was the aim to to keep contact so that she could perform and feel that she had friendly voices you know in 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 the leadership of of the because we are connected to Norway the country it's how it is it's it's unavoidable it's it's a monopoly so we we managed to keep this uh, good contact text messages and calls and just a normal friendly but uh, so so and when the years went by I, I i felt that at some point she was ready to come back i i did not feel that i persuaded her per se but of course i never uh, hid the fact that we of course wanted her back and that we would be ready if she wanted to to have these discussions uh, 
but she's not a person that wants pressure or she she's she's uh, she has clear uh, mind she has clear opinion so so it's it's her it's her own work you know at some point she wanted to come back she wanted to see if we had changed some things she was concerned with and and it was a, a great feeling when she decided to come back of course we we want we want the best players in our national team it's a big vote of confidence for a sense of progress as well for Norway i would say yeah yeah it's it's uh, you know it's it it is very big difference between men and women's football in the world and also in Norway and 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 I've also been a player where you know where you why you know you 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 want to you don't want that division I have a brother also playing why should he get you know I train so much more than him you know it's it's so 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 I I I love the principle uh, angle at it and 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 the strong strong voices of change I also know now from a federation standpoint, we don't sit with the political key to change it. You know, it's 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 unfortunately when we have a market where Erling Haaland is worth billions uh, and uh, Norwegian crowns, so, so hundreds of millions uh, euros, uh, and and, and uh, female players are worth you know uh, maybe some hundred thousand. It's 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 not up to one leader to to change everything or one player. But we can as, um, accelerate something, and Ada has accelerated something in Norwegian Federation by giving her strong opinion and 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 being a strong person. She's always uh, trying to be there for kids, for example, if if it's uh, we want her to send videos or to come to to arrangements. So so she's she has this integrated in her body that she wants to to change. She has a political integration of this, so so she can drive changes, but. Uh, uh, we we continuously have discussions of of things she sh- think should be better and 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 I agree but you know it's it's also it's it is complex as you know you know it's it's uh, the difference you know are are very embedded in in the world and and, and the global football so uh, but very inspiring to have these these kinds of players and we're lucky we have several actually that they're very into not just their career but the like the lionesses as well you know we have some of those on the women's side now and it's it's great i think people that say politics and football should be very separated they have never been discriminated and kept away from their sport you know so i do for for female players this this is not a natural sentence to say yeah so it sounds as though because strikes and protests have been going on a lot across women's international football recently uh we've been talking about it on our women's football show up front recently spanish national team france of course including wendy renard and canada as well so you think that this is is an important step even though we cannot change where we are uh, as a as a world i uh, these these are important steps you know coming from the federation i feel sometimes it's 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 um it's way it's ways heavy on federations chest because this is something media uh, sponsors audience schools you know everyone has to you know look themselves in the mirror and say you know do we do we acknowledge that we are now you know strengthening a discriminating system by sending 95% men on our screens for example uh, sponsorships would say that we want gender equality and they go on the federation or on the club but do they give equally you know the sum uh, of course federation should be ready to change it has been con- conserving the changes nor the differences so i welcome these uh, these uh, waves from the female national teams but it's also important that it's not just you know 
paralyzing federations because they are not able to solve it themselves. They, they are not. So it, it has to be a critical mass of people realizing the, the, the urgency of this, this matter. Yeah, speaking about one of your men's players as well, um, does it make you proud to see someone like Martin Odegaard do so well in the in the Premier League? And and what do you make of his development as a player at Arsenal? Um, no longer playing as so much of a ten, for example. Yeah, you know, you know, Martin has uh, since he 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 played uh, in the top league in Norway when he was fourteen, and he he made his debut for the national team when he was sixteen, sixteen. So he was, you know, this child star in Norway, you know, this prodigy. Um, we we hadn't seen, you know, such a calm uh, player with such, you know, great uh, technical abilities, but also playing mind. Uh, ever actually so so he has you know he has lived with great pressure and expectations since he was just a little little boy uh, uh always handled with uh, grace and grit uh always been you know this silent leader uh, so i must say you know that uh, he he makes me very proud on so many levels almost almost on, on his behalf also, you know, that the, the way he has, uh, you know, conducted and carried himself through this also. So so he, he's, he's a great person and a great uh, leader for the Norwegian national team. Also one that tries to bridge, always bridge things, uh, thinking about the team, not himself. So a great, great genius player, but also, um, you know, a remarkable person. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. 
So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. Let's talk a bit more about UEFA generally and about your thoughts on on it as a federation, I guess. I mean, you have seen, of course, the stand that they took on the Super League. Um, but how how do you feel about the lack of regulation on how who can own football's biggest clubs in Europe? Um, because I saw on your on your pamphlets delivering competitive balance is like a huge thing for you but also you know for the sport of football in yeah. the in the coming years yeah it, it it's such a big issue you know and 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 i think it, it's 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 the pulse of of football in the world and the european football of course but also in the world even though the american system is different than the european it, it's coming from the european pulse so you know so i i think the the reality of of uh, a small local team the, being able to to travel all the way up, you know, even though you know it does not happen very often, but that is the pulse, you know, that it's actually connected to Arling Holland or Martin Ødegaard. They can come from small Norwegian clubs, and they did. They did not play in big academies. They came from small Norwegian clubs, and now they're um, uh, playing Champions League football. So that is the pulse of European football to have independent strong federations with independent strong leagues where you know all everyone can make it to the top if they if they want it enough and of course it's also about money of course but it's possible uh and of course this has moved more and more away from that you know structurally one step at a time and and uh, i guess the super league sort of helped uh, the political discussion to and make us remember wh- where we're coming from and actually, you know, sort of triggered uh, the awareness that we have to protect this game. Uh, but but it's a very important that we now, even if the, the the one attack from the Super League group has 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 been put down, I think this will come again and again. It, it is a push to you know uh, gather the money at at the top. And I think uh, a very important step for for all countries, also the English FA, even they, even though they are big and they have the Premier League, I think most um, wise leaders and Debbie Hewitt, which is the president of the English FA, she is a wise leader. She also sees this uh, that it's very important that we have structures and we have decision uh, decisions that you know build strong federations, strong leagues, uh, and um, uh, triple down effects. That make it very clear that when you earn money in this one league, where how does it support the ecosystem uh, even more than it does today? So it is difficult to regulate away owners. It, it is very difficult because then law, and I, I'm a lawyer, so, so, so I like law, I like systems, I like, but it, it is limits to how far you can go to regulate out of a p- political, cultural uh, 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 problem. So yes, you, we need regulation that that has you know real teeth. Uh, but in the end, I think it's it's just as much about politics and um, 
that we have a critical mass of people protecting the game because yeah you can you can have regulations saying that this and this owner cannot own this and this club uh but you mo- you will you will find ways around it so so of course in in Norway and Germany we have membership owned clubs so so that is that is of course a structure uh, and and uh, and it's pros and cons with all systems but uh, and and I do think it's important going ahead to have democratic uh, they have the democ- democracy higher up on the agenda for for clubs but rather than limiting this and this owner i think the most important thing is to think of it from the other end you know how to have the trickle down effects more efficiently how to have strong federation independent federation how to bundle tv rights so that the leagues national leagues are stronger so that they you don't, you don't have to choose between champions league and your national league how can you also bundle this with female or, or, or see it in connection with, with the women's side? These things, I think, will come more and more in, in the next decade. Because emotionally, fans, of course, might think that they would like to have uh, decent ethical owners. But then if someone turns up from Saudi Arabia and would like to run the club, then really people are excited about winning the league, potentially. So it's it's a big challenge it is emotionally a big challenge. versus yeah yeah it, it 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 is if you have you know open for ownerships you know it, it's difficult to have like a moral uh, of course you you need you need you need systems where where you you know filter filter away criminality and but uh, and this regulation needs to have teeth as well you know and we've seen that it doesn't really uh, always have that so so then they they're just sitting on the paper. But in the end, we also need clubs to, you know, it, we don't need systems where we just conserve one club as the strongest as well. We also need a system where people can invest in a new club and, and you know, change the table a bit. So it's pros and cons. And, and I, I do think, you know, with state owner, uh, the, the, when state-owned clubs are coming more and more and states are getting closer and closer to the sport, we need more and more... Uh, and stronger and stronger regulations with the leadership of football having arm length stif- uh, distance to the to the states that is a problem i think that that uh, these are now around uh, the, the the owners and the and the states are too close to the boardrooms uh, and they you know money is such a strong you know temptation in itself you know that we need you know boards where you know, the sport is well represented um uh, the, the other aspects of the sport should be you know balanced and and just as well represented which is not really the case now so it's it's a difficult case but i do think it's possible to protect the game when we look at it from the other angle you know how to you know preserve the ecosystem and how to have systems um uh, where where the trickle down effect and you know the solidarity of the whole whole pyramid is so strong then then at least you will have owners that you know have to acknowledge that and you know uh, deliver into that sort of sort of ecosystem and if they don't want to do that then they won't buy the club then mm. you've spoken then about many of the challenges what do you think is the major challenge facing football in the coming decade 
Yeah, it's it, it's several. You know, first of all, football is you know the biggest sport in the world. It also it also has a lot of possibilities. You know, it's it's it it is a success story. Football. You know, as you know, I know about your podcast also being here forever, and and uh, you know, football is you know a wave, and it's it's never gonna go away. You know, it it, it is a language that you know is so beautiful, and 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 it it, it can never be cliches. You know, football is played when wars are not, are still happening. You know, it's so so I do think it's also gonna be very big part of the solution the next decade i think it i think it will be more and more important to have these arenas where people meet you know but when but we also face big challenges you see the uh we have dropping participation numbers for example with the grassroots uh not not just because of geopolitical stress or you know money at the top or it's also you know, with gaming and 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 a, a change of behavior and cost living crisis not to say the least so i think this is one of the most important fights we all have to take is is to to have the trend line that is a bit negative now to go upwards again football needs to grow uh it's a movement that needs a lot of players a lot of engagement so i think that that we have to realize that it, also the pandemic uh, sort of escalated that a bit so that's uh that that is one very big and an important thing and then of course football being the big sport it is and and so close to you know all states i think the geopolitical stress that we see not just with russia and belarus but all over the world and this deglobalization will affect football it will be tempting to be you know boycott this boycott that or or, or sort of you know uh, burn bridges but football should connect people it 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 should never be something empty leaders say this is you know what it actually should do so that will be a very big challenge to uphold the power of connecting people when cost of living is going to be rising um the participation numbers going a bit down and the press pressure to disconnect with countries will go high you know from from audiences so in all this i think it's very important to keep the eye on the ball to use a very simple metaphor that we we try to stay stay on the field and 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 and, and you know limit our responsibility to protect the game and the players um one challenge from the governing body perspective is that fans trust in major governing bodies is is very low right and one of the things that we've seen about that recently is the report into the treatment of liverpool fans at last year's champions league final um how do you how do you restore the trust of the fans in something that is quite nebulous you know a, a governing body it doesn't really have a personality that you can get on board with yeah no it, it is you know to to to, ha- to be the governing body of of uh, of football which is you know the stakeholder is so strong and it's own everywhere so nobody really wants to be ruled but somebody has to rule so it's it's not a place where you become very popular so it's that is the starting point so it's it's difficult but of course we need trust it's it's diff it's it's different you know one thing is to to have opposition and the, the, another thing is to be despised you know so so because then you will have poison and then and poison a poisonous environment is not good so of course trust needs to be there and, and I I I don't have the answers to that but I I only have one and it's it's transparency you know transparency drives behavior. Uh, to have to have a system, a culture, attitude of you know talking about the dilemmas, be very outspoken of you know the, this is a difficult 
thing and, and also handler you know it, it is difficult to be leader in a football body because media uh, media is very close to us you know and and media you know the narrative is that uh, it's something wrong with the governing body so so it, i do think it's very easy to shut down and and then to be a protective environment and think that media will only get you and try to get you and and take you down and they and, and in many cases media won't conflict so it does not help when you're transparent and you just get you know the 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 headlines were where the the small against the big, you know, the narrative is always given. Uh, so, so I think it's it's it is difficult to be very transparent as a leader in football, but it's necessary that we are. Uh, of course, quality is always the biggest thing to to deliver. If you have more and more Champions League finals like the one in Paris, of course, trust will f- disappear because it was dangerous. I was there, it, and it is easier for everyone to go into the shell uh, and and to 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 build a you know fort outside but in the end it it will not be easier i think so to me transparency drives behavior and it's it's one of the big things uh, when we go into a decade of of uh, big challenges i think it's very important that we we feel confident uh, and and fearless in in speaking uh, openly about the 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 challenges we we have to solve and the reason that you're still going to keep taking this on and keep fighting for this is because you love football? Yeah, this is, yeah. This is worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a motivation thing. It's, of course, also something I feel safe in my own country. It's, 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 it's asked from me. Uh, people demand transparency. I was elected on it. I also have the feeling that... Uh, I, what do I have to lose? You know, I, 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 I was never a politician. I, I never dreamt of becoming, you know, so, so, so it's, it's a freedom in the feeling that the change in itself and, and the contribution I, I will want to give is, is bigger than any ambition I have. You know what I mean? I, I, I came from the sport. I'm a lawyer. I've never been elected to anything before. So, so, so of course, this is also something I, Emotionally, it's always you always have something to lose. You know, it's it's never good to feel that you you're you're exposing a culture or uh, be, be being viewed upon as 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 a difficult you know person or or that you expose good colleagues or and they always have to be with respect. So emotionally, it's it's difficult, but rationally, I think okay, then I can run you know this part of the run. Yes. Last thing. Do you feel like um, your style of play? Do you? How far do you feel your way of playing as a footballer informs your style of leadership and the way you are in business? Yeah, it's it's a good question actually, and I never thought of it. But maybe we are different personalities, and of course, I also on the field had my style of play. You know, I I I was uh, you know a number ten player. I wanted creativity i wanted uh, change and energy and i i did not really stick in just one position i i i i went you know where the, i found the room so uh, and i was very intense also i wanted to to affect the game and i wanted to to be, build the team uh, so so and a very very passionate player so you know to to every game was you know the the most important thing ever so so maybe, you know, it's also a personality thing. 
<laughs> exciting to think of you bringing that to every single meeting and slightly terrifying yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I had, I had some years in, you know, as a, as a judge, you know, with, you know, the clothes on where you have to sit quiet for days and days. So I've, I've had some detoxing since my career, but, you know, and then, you know, the love for the game and, and the feeling that you have to risk something to win something, I guess. And then also uh, the experience of you can always rise after a, a defeat. You know, it, it, it's important things for me from, from the playing days. Thank you so much for speaking to the drop-in and very best of luck uh, with ruffling all the feathers and having yeah. all the conversations. <laughs> ruffling the feathers, yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. So that was Lisa Clavenas from Rwanda, where she's at the FIFA conference. Found her so interesting to talk to, just someone who's on the one hand kind of at the heart of things. You know, she runs an FA, but on the other hand, really still outside the main corridors of power, if you like, within football. And it's quite exciting to think what would happen if she did have a seat at that UEFA table. We've got so many more guests coming for you in the next few weeks on the drop-in so we really hope you'll join us for those as well do remember to get in touch and tell us what you thought about our conversation with Lisa um, it's on Twitter it's at Football Ramble or you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at KVL Mason and I'll catch up with you guys very very soon take care The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network 